It's January 22nd, 2014. You're listening to the Backhand Shelf Podcast. My name is Justin Bourne. Today I'm joined by Patrick Burke uh, from the Department of Player Safety at the NHL. We're going to talk a little bit about how all the sausage gets made, so let's get to it. Welcome to the Backhand Shelf Podcast on January 22nd. My name is Justin Bourne, and uh, today I'm pleased to be joined by Patrick Burke. As I mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, You may notice that when we get Patrick on the line, he sounds a little bit like Brian Burke. Uh, Don't be shocked to find out that he is not, in fact, Brian Burke. This is Patrick Burke, who is the uh, founder and former executive director of You Can Play and uh, former Philadelphia Flyer scout. Um, At the Department of Player Safety, they have a mission statement. They have a goal for what they're trying to do there, um, and that is this. We are committed to making the game as safe as possible for our players while preserving the intensely physical, competitive, and passionate nature of hockey. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who have differing opinions on what kind of job they're doing. I am definitely of the mind that the NHL is doing a much better job than they did in days of yore. I think headshots have been down in you know recent months. At least they're less noticeable to me. Um, so we're going to get Patrick on the line here and talk about that and the evolution of a suspension and all that. So, Patrick, how are you? Good, how about you? I'm doing okay. I actually think you might be a bit of a crazy person. Um, I saw in, on Twitter today you're up at like 6 in the morning r- running in a polar vortex in New York. Is that correct? Yeah, I did uh, did a pretty good workout this morning for the November project in New York City. It was great. That's uh, that's leading over into January and beyond, is it? Uh, it's all year round, actually. So this was actually not the coldest day I've ever gone for a run. Oh, man, that uh, that sounds pretty miserable. Well, we'll move into the uh, the actual NHL stuff. I'm I'm really curious about the whole process with suspensions and how it all works, and I think a lot of other people are. Um, so your title now is the Director of Player Safety with the NHL. Obviously, this is uh, your first year in that role. Um, just wonder if you could tell us a little bit about uh, what that entails for you, what your job actually, what you do, Patrick. Yeah, so the director level at the NHL is below um, the vice president level, so I know a lot of people got confused when my job was announced. They thought I was taking over the department or something like that. Uh, that's absolutely not true. Uh, my job is to help Shani do his job and to help my uh, direct boss, Damian Echeverrieta, do his job. So what we do is we have a team of, uh, there's five of them, uh, then myself, uh, then Damian and Stefan Quintel and Brian Leach. So with the uh, the five game watchers we have, as well as myself, we sit in the room uh, in New York City every night, and we watch every minute of every game that's played. Wow. So um, we, when it comes but, to picking hits then, like uh, the ones that you're going to evaluate, you guys are physically watching the games and making your own call saying this is something we want to look at? Yes, we watch everything in real time um, with very rare exceptions, you know, on a night where there might happen to be 12 games going on at once or something like that. Um, even then, we have the games on screen. They're being watched. They're just not being logged. Mm-hmm. We actually log uh, every event that goes on in the game in terms of, so let's say first period, you go into the corner and you take a hard run at Brian Leach. Well, I make a note of that. And then in the third period, Brian Leach turns around and tomahawks you in the head. And everyone goes, where did that come from? Yep. Well, we've been watching the game. We've been taking the notes. We go back and we say, 
uh, first period, Bourne took a really hard run on him. Luigi seemed really annoyed by it. That's where it came out of. So um, we're watching everything. We're taking these notes. We're making, uh, you know, in real time, uh, collecting our thoughts on the game. Um, in the event that something happens, uh, it's shown to Damien Echeverrieta. Um, there's almost four or five levels of review. The guys who watch the games, uh, they watch everything that goes on. And then if something is even borderline, mm-hmm. they show it to myself or Damien or both of us. Uh, usually Damien, he's the one who runs the room. Um, if Damien thinks something is even borderline, uh, we clip it in the room. We have a software clipping tool where usually uh, the timeline from when an incident occurs to when we send out an email containing uh, both the home and away feeds of that clip is around 7 to 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, so the time after something happens until Shani sees it is 7 to 10 minutes. Um, then if Shani thinks something is even borderline, he asks all of us for our input. So there's about four or five levels of, of review before uh, we even get to the point where something reaches a, a hearing or a phone call or whatever it might be. If you find in your logs that something is explanatory a little bit, like, for example, uh, me taking a hard run at a guy in the first period and he whacks me later in the game, does that help in any way with uh, pos- possible supplemental discipline? Would you be less prone to suspend the guy if there was an excuse? Uh- no, no, you know, there's never an excuse. The players don't get to take things into their own hands uh, to, to that extent, but it gives us the context for everything that's going on. Um, it might let us know if a play was retribution yep. or if a play was accidental. You know, if, if we're looking at something and let's say the guy's a really good actor and we can't tell if what he did is on purpose or, um, you know, maybe he's looking the other way and it's accidental, and we go back and we see that this, you know, these two players have a long history going throughout the game it might lead us to, to understand the context of the hit. Yeah, fair enough. So there's certain situations there where you have guys like yourself and Leach and Shanahan, and you guys have your own biases. And I know a lot of fans out there tend to, they believe that their team is getting screwed every time they turn around. So you guys uh, obviously limit yourself in some regards to which teams you can weigh in on, right? Yeah, it's uh, there's only one limitation in the entire staff, and that's I'm not allowed to, to weigh in on anything having to do with the Calgary Flames because my father's there. Right. So, um, so Shanahan, the, the Red Wings, doesn't matter? No, it doesn't matter. I mean, the thing that people don't seem to understand is that to, to have someone that does this job, you want a hockey mind. You want someone who's been around the game, ideally someone who's played the game, yeah. um, you know, especially for Shanahan's job. You can't have a person who knows about hockey who doesn't know people in the hockey world. You can go through all 30 teams and I can name someone on their staff or on their current <laughs> roster that I would consider a friend or a buddy. Like it, it's how hockey works. I know it's bizarre, right? Like the the hockey community, you literally have contacts at every team. And if you're someone who had a long NHL career, I mean, Brandon Shanahan probably has multiple friends in the front office of every team. It's bizarre to think that someone would be like, "Well, they're wearing the Red Wings laundry," so I can't weigh in on that. I totally agree with that. Absolutely, and then just to, to doubly prevent against that, there's a reason that all ten people weigh in on uh, on these things. So if you know, let's say I'm the only holdout. Let's say that uh, let's say that I was weighing in on Calgary games, and then I decided that uh, I'm going to protect my dad's team. And we have three incidents in a row with Calgary, and nine guys think that it's a suspension. And each time, <laughs> and each time, I keep saying, "No, this is clean hit. There's you know nothing to worry about here." Well, at that point. The fact that I'm being outvoted every time, clearly, yeah. first of all, 
means that the player would still get suspended. And second of all, we'll give our staff notice that that there may be some sort of bias at work here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that night you guys clip and log all the major events. Um, do you immediately that night deal with it, or do you come back the next day, run through the clips as a group, and say these are the ones we're taking seriously today? Well, it depends. For the for the most part, we probably send out the you know depending on how many games there are, et cetera. Maybe ten to fifteen plays get sent out every night to to be looked at. Wow, that's a lot. Um, well, we we always err on the side of. If we're not sure if something's, you know, if something's an event, let's let's make sure we send it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we probably get asked. Shani writes back and he says, uh, you know, give me your thoughts on this. And he probably does that on three to four a night. You know, some nights it's ten, some nights it's none. Uh, we love the nights when it's none, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, then, you know, usually we do have the benefit of a few hours. We, you know, we can we all usually weigh in that night, and then we still. Uh, unless the team is a turnaround team and playing the next day, we can usually sleep on it, talk about it again in the morning, see if there's any angles or replays we miss, that type of thing. There must be uh, events for you. I know you, you were an active Twitter user for a long time, and obviously you've had to scale it back, but I, I believe you still read Twitter pretty frequently. There must be times when you see stuff in your feed that makes you roll your eyes just because you know, every, every fan thinks every event should be suspendable. Well, I think it's important that our fans care and that they're engaged. I mean, we're in the the entertainment business, and if uh, you know if our fans aren't aren't passionate about their team, then our league is going to struggle long term. But yeah. there are certainly times when we see things um, that that are simply incorrect. Um, I have less of a time with fans weighing in like that than I do when it's media or play by play or color announcers who are mm-hmm. clearly getting something wrong and should know better but refuse to correct themselves or do anything like that. That's what annoys me, not the fans. Well, and then obviously that bleeds into the fans. You know, they they share those opinions on air and in print, and it leaks into the fan base, and obviously I could see why that would be something that would frustrate you guys. Um, the next thing yeah, that... And, and we, the NHL invited every uh, media member, especially on the TV side, uh, to come to New York this year and have presentations from various parts of the NHL community and ask questions and get informed, and that included our department. Um, and the, the TV broadcasts that didn't attend that meeting, I would say we see a very clear difference in the information levels that they have, the, their ability to discuss something intellectually, their ability to understand our process, as opposed to those TV crews who weren't sensitive. Yeah, I, you know, just before uh, you know, calling you up here, I was actually looking at some of the uh, educational videos that you guys have online, and I was pr- particularly interested in, you know, them. I think one of the points that stuck out to me was that prior history and injury don't turn a suspension into a non-suspension. So you don't take a guy who you know has never done anything before but does something bad; he's still getting suspended. It's just you use prior history to determine length of suspension, correct? Correct. Uh, prior history and injury can add games to a suspension. It does not take a non-suspension and make it a suspension, and it does not take uh, a suspension and make it a non-suspension. If you are Lady Bing and you go out and cheap shot somebody, um, you are going to be suspended. Uh, if you have the world's longest track record and you hit somebody hard, but there's a clean, it's a clean hit, we are not going to go out of our way to get you. Right. Yeah, um, and I think and people reason, get that muddled. I, I know fans. I know people complain a lot about us using injury and prior history. That's in the collective bargaining agreement. We are required to consider those factors when determining the length of the suspension. That's what uh, the owners, the general managers, and the players' association 
have agreed upon that two of the factors that we need to consider in determining length suspension are injury and previous history. I find that injury is part of it really interesting. I didn't uh, know that it was part of the collective bargaining agreement. It's actually something I had written down to talk to you about. I personally am of the mind um, that you should be suspending intent and not injury because it brings a certain luck factor into the, into the game. A lot of these hits are borderline. You never know how they're going to play out. And if someone gets hurt, obviously that adds to your suspension. It's almost bad luck in a way. Are you on board with that or are you just doing following that because that's strictly part of what's been written into the CBA? Well, I think, you know, first of all, we do it because it is factored in the CBA. Um, second of all, some of the things that we look at, uh, we always say that we have a rule book, not a suspension book. It's possible to violate rules and not have them elevate to a level of suspension. Yeah. So things that we look at in determining that, you know, and the best example is something like slashing. You can slash a guy on the shin pads and have it not even be a penalty. Yeah. You can slash a guy and have it be a 15-game suspension. Um, and people seem to get that when it comes to stick foul slashing, high sticking, that type of stuff. I think people have a tougher time with it when it's boarding or Rule 48 or something like that. Yeah. You can technically violate those rules and not have it rise to the suspension. Hmm. And one of the things that we look at is intent. One of the things that we look at is the force with which you hit somebody. So I know people like to think that, you know, well, we just, they just suspended him because, you know, so-and-so got injured. But one of the easiest ways to determine force is he hit him hard enough to knock this guy out. Or he hit him and the guy just skated away, so maybe it wasn't that hard. Yeah. Um, so, so there is an element of, you know, we don't suspend for an injury. We don't suspend or not suspend if there wasn't an injury. But when we're looking at things like how hard did he hit this guy, what was his intent that he was doing here, um, that can be a factor where you can say, look, you know, maybe it doesn't look like he hit him that hard, but he hit him that hard to break his nose or knock him out or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I get that, and I notice it's sort of a trend in the suspension videos um, when you talk about a guy who's either pulling up or following through with excess force, you can sort of almost sense that maliciousness on some of the hits with the you know the extra little give it something at the end. So I do agree that that should be part of it, but um, yeah, that's a tough one. That's obviously a tough one to deal with. I'm not sure I agree, but if it's in the CBA, it is what it is. Um, one other question for you that means a lot to me, or not means a lot, but I'm just most curious about, is the hearings that you guys do, because I can't imagine a player calling you guys and trying to defend some of the stuff they do, do you ever get someone in their hearing who's like, look, I fucking hate that guy, so I gave him a little something? Does that ever happen? No, but I think we would all be very appreciative if it did. <laughs> um, we, we have had guys come on the call and say, look, I, I know that was a bad hit. Uh, I know I shouldn't have done it. Here's what I was trying to do. Uh, I, you know, I missed and got him in the head, and you know, nothing, you know, nothing I can do about it. No defense. But uh, for the most part, players come on and uh, teams come on, and uh, the players' association comes on as well, um, and they try to defend their player as they should. Um, you know, it's it's his money that he's losing. The, the team's losing the player for a couple games. There are times when it's frustrating when something is so clearly a black and white suspension. Um, and the team is arguing, or the the player is arguing. You know, oh, I, you know, I barely touched him. It's nothing. Um, but I think uh, you know the the player. If you're in that setting, you you know that you're at risk at losing games. Um, I think that getting uh, defensive and trying to protect yourself is is understandable. Yeah, it, it is. I guess it's um, you know one of those. 
One of those really tough things with those players where I'm sure it doesn't influence your opinion a whole lot, the entire panel, and I think they probably know that, so it must be really difficult to present yourself to guys like Brandon Shanahan and, you know, all, all you guys there who understand that, you know, you messed up, you're going to get hit with whatever, so you're almost forced into a situation where you, a situation where you have to sit there and lie. Um, do you sit in on the in-person hearings at all as well? Yes, um, I'm on the phone calls and the in-person hearings uh, and all those and just to, to one quick point, not all of our hearings result in suspensions. We don't call hearings just because it's an open and shut case. Right. There are times when we genuinely do need to hear and want to hear what a player thinks about something. And there have been times when a player's explanation of what he tried to do and what the end result was has been sufficient for us to say, look, that's an accidental hit or an accidental high stick or whatever it might be. But um, for the in-person hearings, yes, it's myself, uh, Damien Exverietta, uh, Brennan Shanahan, and then a few other NHL uh, attorney, uh, PR, and various technical staff uh, who, who sit in on the hearing. That sounds like a really awkward event to me. I feel like you have John Tortorella sitting there, whoever, and you know, I feel like he'd be sitting there like a little kid being scolded with all these lawyers and stuff sitting around. That sounds curious to me. I don't know. It'd be, be make me nervous. I would be sweating. Um, is there... I think it's. Uh, I think it's meant to be not a pleasant situation. If you're at the point where we've determined that your suspension may be of a length that's more than six games or six games or more, which is where our in-person standard is. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, At at that point, uh, no, it's not supposed to be a pleasant experience for you. At that point, you are, the league has made the the determination that you are being suspended. It's just a matter of length. Um, And no, they they do sweat and um, it's part of the process. Uh, do you guys have a particular, you know, amongst your group, a, a person who tends to lean towards higher suspensions and someone always trying to talk the other person down? Is that common? Um, we actually don't. 95% of the time, we don't know what the rest of the group thinks. Uh, everyone responds to Shani via email individually. Oh. And so that way none of us influence the others. So does it ever come uh, out where you're like, holy crap, we gave this guy five games, I thought it should be two? Well, there, there's certainly disagreements, and then you know some of the senior staff after we have a hearing, um, Leachy, Quintel, uh, myself, Shani, and Damien, uh, we'll all talk about what we think something is. Um, but you know, it, it's 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 not intimidating because this is what we get paid for. But you can see where when it was my first week on the job, and and Shani's explaining something to me, and Brian Leach is explaining something to me, <laughs> where there's certainly a moment where you're like. Okay, I'm about to disagree with two Hall of Famers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's why I think you two guys are wrong. I know yeah, all about exactly. this. Trust me. Here's here's how I see that play, and you both see it incorrectly. It's not a fun thing to say. <laughs> I'm not so, you saying know, you're wrong. It's just I know more than both of you combined. That's the point right. I'm making. And, and you know, and Q played a thousand games in the league as well. Like our, the hockey minds on our staff are, are certainly very bright. So yeah, uh, Shani encourages frank disagreement. You're supposed to disagree with them. As long as you can back it up and explain it, uh, no one's ever been criticized or disciplined for uh, disagreeing with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do try and keep those opinions separately uh, or separate until the final stages of the process, so that there isn't uh, uh, an element of groupthink here. And there have been times where it's nine to one, and there have been times when you know it's six four and whatever it might be. But um, we have long, intense disagreements. I think. Uh, fans and and I, I know from talking to people around the league, they're surprised by the amount of time that we will argue and bicker with each other on whether something's three games or four games. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, guys, guys, oh, it's just a game. Well, it's not to us. This is important. This is our reputation. This is how we maintain, you know, the, the level of discipline in the league. Well, and there's a lot of money on the line too, right? I mean, this is the NHL is a billion dollar, multi billion dollar business, and I understand that this would be that would be a very stressful job. Um, Absolutely. At, at, at some point, I'm going to get my three and a half game suspension, and where you then the guy, you know, the guy can't play for the first thirty minutes of the game. Yeah, just sits there in the box with the thirty minutes up on the clock with the remainder. I'd, I'd be all for yeah, that. If if college football can do it, I don't see why we can't. <laughs> it's that concept concept should not exist in any sport. Um, so since Brendan Shanahan has taken over, the Department of Player Safety has done a better job with transparency. You guys have been making the videos. Uh, one of the questions we got when you put this out there on Twitter the other day was, do you have any interest in doing videos for non-calls, explaining to fans when there's a big clamoring or hunger on Twitter or you know email or whatever, just to say, here's why we chose not to suspend this guy? And we've done a few of those. Uh, this year, off the top of my head, I believe Jordan Nolan's hit in the preseason on Quesla and uh, Tom Wilson on Braden Shen both got explanations for why it wasn't a suspension. Um, it's something that we certainly talked about internally um, and weighing the merits of, um, you know, doing something that explains uh, why something wasn't a suspension. Uh, the problem is uh, it's a ton of work, first of all, but that's yeah. not you know, that's a, certainly not a reason not to. The next problem was how do we determine which clips we're doing that for? I mean, there are clips that uh, are, are incidents that a particular team's fan base might find very controversial, and they can't believe that it wasn't a suspension. But the rest of the hockey world looks at it and they go, yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess... there, there's an element of are we just going to import more controversy? Are we then going to get questions with people going, well, why didn't you explain this hit? You explained all these other ones. And where do you draw the line, right? Exactly. Yeah. So um, I don't know that there's anything to this at all, but it's just my own personal hunch that early on in the season, I feel like we see more suspensions or longer suspensions anyway. Is there an interest in setting the tone early for players saying, hey, we're not messing around this year? No, I I don't think we ever want to. uh, Well, I know for a fact we don't ever want to suspend anybody. Right. Um, and going into this year, I mean, there were moments where it wasn't, uh, we, you know, we've got to set the tone, we've got to send a message. It was, oh my God, what is happening right now? Yeah. Um, so I don't think that we, we would certainly not change our standard as much during the year. Obviously, playoff games are worth more. Um, it gets a little tighter in a sense where something, uh, as those games become more valuable, um, you know, it wouldn't change a, uh, non-suspension or a suspension or vice versa, but there might be more discussion. Again, going back to that, is it three games or is it four? There might be a, a heavier right. discussion about that. But um, We do our absolute best to maintain consistency uh, from suspension to suspension, whether that occurs in uh, May or whether that occurs in November. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the same hit uh, with the same results in November, uh, we believe will be the same uh, same length of discipline once we get around to uh, to later in the season. Um, we don't change when we've discussed this internally. You know, we don't change standards in the middle of the season. Uh, a very common one this year has been a uh, you know a boarding call without a ton of force behind it with no history and no injury. Well, that's been a two game suspension for all those players. Yeah, you board somebody, no history, no injury. It's been a two game suspension. Yeah. Uh, if we wanted to go to the GMs uh, this summer and say, hey, guys are hitting each other from behind left and right, we got to do something about it, 
that's now a four-game suspension. That isn't something we would just do on the fly. We would present it to the general managers at the GM's meeting, let the competition committee talk about it, uh, and make sure they know that that's how things are going to go. Right. Well, that leads me into uh, my next question, and you know we're getting towards the end here. Sorry for uh, for keeping you, but I'm just wondering if there's um, you know a specific penalty you guys are trying to get rid of, whether it's the hitting from behind or the headshots, because I personally feel like, and this is just sort of um, you know from what I've noticed, that headshots seem to be way down. I, I feel like we're not seeing as many last year. I feel like I wrote about them every other day. Are headshots down, and are you trying to curb that more than hitting from behind or the next thing? I don't want to answer definitively because, to be honest, I didn't sit down and, and run the numbers. I will say that we think players, uh, the rule was rewritten this year. Um, it didn't change. Nothing changed about it, but uh, the Players Association uh, asked us if we could come up with some better wording to explain it, which talks about you know the angle of approach on a hit and um, you know basically what we want players to do and not do. And I think now players are starting to understand that what is legal in the National Hockey League is a full-body check, uh, even if there may be incidental head contact, which I know is everybody's favorite phrase to scream about because they don't know what we mean by that. Um, But, uh, you know, where there may be incidental head contact as opposed to coming through and just hitting a guy in the head. So I think we're seeing players uh, take better angles, make better decisions, and start to understand that this is a hit that will not be tolerated in the NHL anymore. Yeah. Well, awesome. I really, uh, really appreciate your time today, Patrick. And uh, I think we all learned a lot today. So, uh, you know, thanks again. Anytime. Happy to do it. And that has been Patrick Burke from the Department of Player Safety. I hope you guys learned a lot out there. I know I did. We appreciate his time very much. Um, And I just, you know, I really do feel like the Department of Player Safety is doing a pretty good job. I think it's a pretty thorough system they have of uh, taking care of business. So hopefully you guys were impressed with that, too. And that has been the Backhand Shelf Podcast. You can uh, follow me on Twitter, at JT Bourne, and we will talk to you next week. Hey, if you got something to say, send us an email, backhandshelf at thescore.com.